You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord Jesus, with all of the different authorities we look to in this life, it can be easy for us to have your rule over our lives obscured. Strengthen us now by your word, by faith in you, that we may always remember to whom we will finally give an account for our lives, to whom we must entrust ourselves in death, and for whom we should live in this life, that we may give glory to you. This we ask in your precious name. Amen. I'll need you to click on that right-hand side for me, Elias. Right there. That's good. That's the stuff. All right, thank you. When, my, um, when I was growing up, my father's favorite kind of movie were westerns. I had lots of westerns in my childhood, and I hated them all. <laughs> I like science fiction. <laughs> My cowboys had to have lasers. But, um, but I, you know, and now in my 50s, I've actually grown an appreciation for some of those old movies. But I was definitely exposed to every John Wayne movie at least three times. Um, and I think, and Clint Eastwood too. Is John Wayne and Clint Eastwood. And the line that figured in at least half of the movies to which my dad exposed me and Gunsmoke and all those television shows as well was this one. And you probably heard it too. There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> Conjures images like this from my childhood. <laughs> and what a new sheriff coming to town always meant was hope for the local populace who had been crushed down by the criminal element. It meant danger for those gangs. It might mean that the local population needed to have courage and step up to help the new sheriff drive the enemy from their midst. But it always meant that. There was a new sheriff in town. This was done in a very particular way in the ancient world. Can you click that side again? Yeah, don't. There you go. There we go. What you see before you is a bit of an ancient clay tablet. Um, this was, they would put these marks in it. If, you, if you're good at Greek, you can read that that's Greek writing on there. This is a Priene calendar. And we have lots of examples of these from the ancient world. Um, they did a great job with these. These not only endure to this day, but if you drop that on this floor, this floor would take a beating and not that tablet. They knew how to preserve their records. <laughs> and um, this tablet announces something very important. Here we have... September 23rd, 63 B.C., Gaius Octavius Thurinus was born. This is somebody whose name you know from the Gospel of Luke as Caesar Augustus. The tablet 
here was inscribed in 6 BC, roughly three years before the birth of our Lord. The calendar meisters have gotten all their calculations right. And here is what it says, in part. This is part of the prologue. This is part of the announcement. Since providence, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit mankind, humankind, sending him as a savior both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his epiphany, excelled even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors and not even leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done. And since the birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the gospel for the world that came by reason of him, which Asia resolved in Smyrna. Now it continues on for a lot more of that. But if you read your Bible, this kind of language is going to seem very, very familiar. In fact, gray out a few words... And you could almost transpose this into part of the Gospels. And this is intentional on the part of the Gospel writers. Okay? This is intentional on the part of the Gospel writers. Augustus Caesar insisted that they say things like this about him. <laughs> he was regarded as a savior by the end of his reign. But the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, was bought at the price of the deaths of millions and the slavery of millions more. He saved the world by enslaving it and killing it. But some of these words look awfully familiar. Some of these phrases look awfully familiar. The beginning of the Gospel is exactly the first couple of words of the Gospel of Mark. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Words like this still retain in our church life day to day and year to year. Savior, epiphany, gospel. The reason why the early church chose the word gospel to proclaim what God had done in and through Jesus Christ was that people in the ancient world knew exactly what a gospel was. A gospel was a genre with which they were familiar. It was a declaration of military victory by an ancient king. You had heard lots of Gospels by the time you reached adulthood in the ancient world. Because what happened was, a war broke out. And one of the kings won. And then a herald would come to your town. And that herald would proclaim to you the Gospel of Caesar Augustus or whoever the local potentate was who had won the battle. And the basic purpose of the gospel was this. It was to tell you who the new king was because, frankly, they changed up pretty quickly and pretty often and you as a local person had to know who you were supposed to pay attention to. They also were meant to tell you what the new king requires of you. And on this Christ the King Sunday, it's probably worthwhile to think about Jesus Christ and His eternal gospel, as the angel says in the book of Revelation, who this King is and what He requires of His people. Because He has conquered. He has conquered sin, death, and the devil. 
So now, we who were under their yoke and their dominion are transferred to His kingdom. What does He now require of us? And who is He? And that's the purpose of the Gospel books and the whole Gospel of Jesus, including the rest of the New Testament. Tell us who He is and tell us what is required of us now. So let's focus for a minute on who this new king is. This is a king who came to forgive our sins, not catalog our faults. That makes him radically different from most of the kings with whom you would have been familiar in the ancient world. In fact, all of them. The reason why they laid out the rules of what the new king was so that they could, you could know that if you did X, Y, or Z, you were in trouble. But this king came to forgive our sins. So that when we repent, our sins are as separated from us as east is from the west, and there is no memory of them any longer. This king came to fight with truth, not with weapons or armies. This was especially good news. Because by the time... A king in the ancient world came to give you their, or their, their messenger came to give you their gospel. The flower of the manhood of your town had been decimated. They had taken your fathers, your sons, your brothers, your husbands. They'd gone off to war and many had not come home. To know that this king came to fight falsehood with truth, this was good news. King Jesus came not to be served, he told us, but to serve. On the night in which he was betrayed, he wrapped a towel around his waist and knelt down to wash the feet of his disciples to take the most menial task to himself and then to stand and say, a student is not above his teacher. If your teacher does this, what should you do but serve? And He does serve us. He serves us by taking our sin and the penalty of that sin to the cross, carrying it into the grave. And when He rises up, the sin does not rise with Him. He has taken away our sins, as we say, in so many ways. This is first and foremost how He serves us. And then He continues to serve us by giving us the Holy Spirit, guiding us and leading us in this life through His Word and the Spirit. And the chief thing the Spirit does is allow Him to reign, not from a throne, however distant and wonderful in heaven, but from the cross. So that we can look at the cross and see not the object that defeated our God, but the object whereby He defeated death. Our Lord Jesus reigns from the cross. And the Gospels make this abundantly clear, especially the Gospel of John where our Lord's crucifixion is portrayed as His coronation in terms that anyone in the ancient world would have recognized. He reigns not from a throne, but from the cross. And when we want to know who God really is, the lengths to which He will go to save us and to have renewed communion with us, we merely need to look at Him upon the cross. And the Holy Spirit allows it that we can receive that gift, which is Him reigning in our hearts, living in our hearts, not in a palace some distance away. 
Kings in the ancient world built grand palaces so people could know how important they were and how dangerous they were. Jesus, with the humility He demonstrated when He washed those disciples' feet, takes His place in our hearts and from there, from there begins to rule over His people. This Jesus only requires of us that we trust in His character and work. In His character, in His wisdom, in His judgment, when He says things to us that seem crazy from the perspective of the world, like, love your enemies, and pray for your persecutors. Forgive up to 70 times 7 times when your brother repents. Live chastely. Be humble. Do good in secret. Give alms. Pray that all this will have a more profound effect than all the machinations of all our political life. We have to trust His character to live that way. Trust His goodness and His instruction. And then to trust His finished work upon the cross to be sufficient that we might have life eternal. This kind of trust we call faith. Trust Him. That is the requirement of our Lord. The Gospel is that this King Jesus, this is who He is, This is what He requires of us. He serves us. He forgives us. He rules from the cross rather than from power. He lives in our hearts and requires of us only faith to be part of His in-breaking kingdom. There is a new sheriff in town. We know who He is and what He requires of us. The only question left is how will we serve Him? See, Pastor Wayman, He said He didn't come to be served but to serve. That's right. But if He's serving you by reigning in your heart, if He's serving you by taking away all your sins, if He's reigning from within so that your actions more and more come to reflect His character, you will immediately begin to serve alongside of Him. For students indeed are not above their teacher. He will empower your service. That service will give glory to Him. For one of the great insights of the Reformation, Christians had for centuries struggled with the balance between faith and works. How did faith and works relate in our Christian life? One of the great insights of the Reformation is that our works are are needed, but not by God. God doesn't need what we do, but our neighbor does. Our neighbor needs our alms. Our neighbor needs our love. Our neighbor needs us to sit with them in grief and celebrate with them in joy. We are ruled by such a king, a king of a character like no other king who the earth has ever seen, that when we serve as He would calls us to serve and empowers us to serve, we give glory to Him and more, 
more people can be drawn toward Him and wish to be part of His kingdom. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, as we think on who you really are, who you eternally are, and the throne that can never be taken from you, as we look forward to the day when everyone shall know that you rule, teach us to live as your people now. Draw us towards service. Help us to serve others in, here in the church, hosting fellowship, helping at the altar, welcoming people with a smile, serving in one of our boards. Draw us towards service beyond these walls to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those who are sick or in prison. Teach us to love as you love, Lord so we may learn to live as you live. This we ask in your precious name, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life